Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Weekend up in Syracuse, shutting up all the naysayers, yours truly included. Not just beating the Syracuse Orange in a rivalry game, punting them into the sun in their own building, a building that has been a house of horrors for BC in the Steve Adazio era, but on the backs of a powerful rushing attack and a very solid game. Um, in passing, the Eagles left Syracuse with a big, big win. Coming to you live from the Classic City, Athens, Georgia, this is Arthur Palin. And coming to you from Sacramento, California, the state's capital, the immortal Patrick Toppin. Yeah, that was really fun. We should do that more often. We should. Why doesn't BC? I, I, I have to say, like, this is a more fun show. Uh, to to start off with and do than last week. Last week was miserable. This week I'm happy. Like I'm, I, I was excited to do the show this week. Uh, last week I was really kind of dreading it because how much can we really say about like how miserable that game was? This week this this week's gonna be fun. Like this week was fun. Yeah, like I mean, BC sets a record of rushing yards in a game. Um, they scored 34 second quarter points. Uh, and you had told me that uh, Dennis Grissel was going to be the first BC QB with 250 plus yard passing touchdowns in the same game since Matt Ryan. I would have been like, no, I don't believe you. So, yeah, let's I'm a, like let's meet together same time next week and just uh, redo this show, play it twice. Yeah, I'll, I'll be all for that. That's uh, less work for us, and uh, that means we got to enjoy BC punt Florida State into the sun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you touched on a good point, and let's, let's get into this. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the running game in a second because the running game, obviously, was, was phenomenal. But Dennis Grossell, um, you know, we, like, we were very hard on him last week. I was very hard on him last week. He had a very, very good game. Um, certainly, um, like I think they mentioned on ACC Network, certainly not 
Um, the best game like you're ever going to see, although like, like like you mentioned, I mean, he, you know, had certainly, um, you know, going eight for 10 uh, with three touchdowns is certainly not a poor showing by any means, but he had the game that he needed to have in order to open up the run game and make the offense work. What you saw on, on Saturday was obviously a very run heavy offense, but it was an, off, an offense that was run heavy that was functional because Dennis Grossell had such a good game. I was going to say, I don't even know if I'd even put that many qualifiers on it. I mean, Grossell had about as efficient a day as one could ask. He was 8 for 10 for 200 yards and three touchdowns. Like, no, no, wait, 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 let, me, let me say, when I say he didn't have, like, the best, I'm, I'm saying he didn't, like, throw for, like, three, 350 yards. Like, that, that's basically what I'm getting at. Like, like I, I don't, like, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying he had a bad game by any means. Um, but, like, it, it's not like he threw for, 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 like, 350 yards, but he was, he threw 80%. Like, that, that's a, that's a, that right off the bat is a phenomenal statistic to have. And he threw for 200 yards, which is not shabby, and three touchdowns. He had a good game. Like, like don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, I think I look at the way – like, and the way that he did it, too, I think is important because he exploded blown coverages. Um, he went through his reads, which is, like, one of – has been one of the major sort of criticisms thrown at him. And one of the reasons he struggled is he's kind of a first-read guy in the past couple of games. Um, he continued to be accurate – on the run, he hit eight passes to six different receivers. Um, and even, you know, at the micro level, he made some, like, big-time throws. There was a uh, third and eight, like an obvious passing down, um, when they were up big in the third quarter, and he just stepped into uh, a pass rusher to deliver an absolute perfect delivery to Kobe White. Um, he's just – he's so promising that I'm, like, I'm very excited. I'm – not waving the white flag on this year yet. Yeah, what this year did, uh, or what this game did, was it basically, I, I, I heard a bunch of people say, I think we mentioned this on the show last week, this was a big turning point game for BC. They had to win this game in order to salvage the season. You know, they, they not only did they win, they won in a way um, where you certainly have confidence in in their ability, abilities moving forward. Um, they, they, they put the Clemson loss behind us, they, behind them. They played a really solid game. Um, and they look like a team that, that can take anybody on. Um, I mean, you know, they, they, they certainly have some decent competition coming up. And we just, again, we're going to get to um, the most immediate level of competition in just a moment. Um, but, you know, they have some tough, tough competition, like, after this week. But they look like a team that can certainly be competitive against anybody they play on the football field. Yeah, I mean, this season has kind of gone to almost like a – it's weird because we've memed it as 7-5. and five. Right, We've memed it over and over again as 7-5. and five. And right now I'm like, you know what, I'd be very impressed with 7-5 and five with the way that this roster sort of was assembled at the beginning of the year and how it's come together. Um, because – End to end, they've just played really well, and so, um, yeah, it's sort of it's like I think uh, Bill Maloney was asking on Twitter whether or not 
you know, would you be happy with six and six or seven and five? And after the way this season started, absolutely. This team is not six and six, seven and five in a lot of other years. And it's, I don't know, it's a, it's a fun, that, that game was fun to watch. I actually had a really enjoyable time. I, I haven't been able to say that a ton in the last four years under Steve Adazio. Before we get to, to what, what you wanted to get to, one thing I, I will say just like on your point, um, you know, I, 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 think, I think what frustrated us last year um, and like one of the reasons why I think um, there's so much um, distrust of Steve Adazio and, and the direction the football program is going is because last year's team was better than, or should have been better than 7-5. This year's team's not in that in scenario, and, and we, we we saw that earlier in the year. But you know the, the fact that they're number one, it looks like they are like legitimately growing, um, and number two, like they they're certainly at least like based on our readjusted expectations after you know BC lost to Kansas, um, seven and five would or seven and six would certainly be um, based on the year how the year has gone um, a very very solid year for BC to have. Um, to have finished up at. Yeah. Um, we can preview sort of next week and looking forward again in a second. But I will say the other thing that I did get brought up today was that BC has yet to beat a team better than them in S&P Plus. Um, they have not beat a team ranked higher than them. They've lost the teams worse than them, but they've mostly, every team they've beaten at some level has been worse than them, and every team they've lost to from Kansas, sorry, every team that, yeah, they've lost to from Kansas to uh, Louisville has not been lower ranked. So, and there's no lower ranked teams remaining on the schedule, right? It's all either I'd call roughly peer programs, given the state of the program in Florida State right now in Pitt, and I think even as the most daring optimist i would not call notre dame a top even even a toss-up right there's no way that bc is going to be heavily underdogged in that one but we saw this week Notre dame is certainly vulnerable not wrong let's talk about the running game because as i have in my notes here jesus christ that is the greatest performance I've ever seen on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I mean, A.J. Dillon, um, he, you know, 6.9 yards per carry, hashtag nice, um, is certainly uh, a solid average to be at, but he was moving the ball at will. David Bailey, um, when A.J. like coming in, um, as an addition, was also very solid. That that one-two punch um, is going to um, get to BC and make them competitive in these next three games. David Bailey has really turned into a very solid um, running back. Um, they had, it's to the point where, like, you know, I, I, I don't know if you heard this, Patrick, but, you know, the guys on the ACC network were debating whether or not David Bailey is a, is a, um, you know, a top ACC talent. I mean, I certainly wouldn't go that far, but, like, he certainly looked really, really good. Um, on Saturday against against Syracuse, um, and he he broke some, some some very solid runs as well. 
Uh, but AJ Dillon, I mean, like we knew what AJ, what AJ Dillon could do, and um, he really showed this week. He really kind of uh, took the running game by the horns and really kind of took control of the offense and moved and moved the ball for BC very well. Yeah, I mean, I guess I want to address three things. One, AJ Dillon remains the best running back that I have ever seen play in person. He's a first team All American. This week shows it, right? 25, uh, 242, and three touchdowns. Um, we as BC fans need to appreciate him every second that we can. Right? It if is he had a better start to the season, he would be in Heisman candidate. Absolutely, right? And if BC was a better team, maybe a Heisman candidate as is, right? He's second in the country in rushing yards. Um, he's just that good. And so. Just, you know, smile, hug your AJs close tonight, and remember that uh, all good things have to come to an end, so you should enjoy them while they're there. Yep. David Bailey, uh, uh, some of – he reminds me – I have another insane comparison letter. He sort of reminds me of um, – Le'Veon Bell, in some ways, he's just got such great balance and patience. Like, if I had to say something, like, he's obviously, he's a power back, but what sets him apart so much from a lot of other sort of power backs who might be, you know, three yards straight into the line is he's just got, he's so patient behind the line and finding his hole, and he just doesn't get tripped up by arm tackles at his feet. He's just, it's, again and again, gets him yards after first contact, um, and it really lets him get to the second level where he can just bowl over a few guys and it's been really really fun to watch him sort of develop into this player and I agree he's probably a top 10 back in the ACC maybe top five um and he's our backup I am I'm loving that um yeah and just to put on uh, in the back of your mind too like I think one of the things that makes AJ Dillon you know such a, com- a competitive back um, is, is the way he's built. Like uh, you mentioned, the David Bailey's a power back, but like AJ Dillon, he was, he, he's six foot two fifty. Uh, he's he's built like a tank, and he, he has that speed. Um, and David Bailey, he's he's ten pounds lighter and a foot taller, or excuse me, not foot, an inch taller. Um, so he's he's got a very similar build to AJ Dillon, um, and he plays and he um, in in a world post AJ Dillon. You can you can kind of see David Bailey sort of taking on some of the responsibilities that AJ Dillon has and play a similar game certainly to AJ Dillon if if need be. Yeah, um, and then I also want to give a lot of credit um, to the offensive line because they have just played so well in the last couple of weeks, um, especially this week. Obviously, um, this is great and sort of. Extended offensive line, too. There's a great pin block by uh, Jake Burton in the first quarter uh, on the first touchdown um, by Bailey. Football out, football outsiders has BC as, like, top 15, top 10 in every single statistical category for an offensive line um, from passing the running. So, like, they're just really, really good in every facet of the game. Uh, they deserve a lot of credit. And I think uh, AJ and David would be the first ones to tell you that, you know, it takes a village, it takes a team, and this whole team is – this whole offense is sort of firing on all cylinders right now. 
Yeah, certainly. We, I, I don't think we talk enough about how solid the offensive line has been. They've been very, very, very good. Um, you, know, you know, Dennis Rossell you know, didn't get sacked this week. Um, that's, that's, you know, for, for a, a young quarterback who's still trying to get his feet under him, um, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't overstate how important that is. You know, NC State, Dennis Rossell didn't get sacked. Um, you know, game against Clemson. Um, you know, you got sacked twice, but that's you know Clemson. Uh, so in the and past Clemson, th- so three weeks, Clemson has the highest sack percentage in the country, or maybe it's the third highest. Um, top three, I know, and BC has the lowest sack percentage allowed in the country. Like they are, yeah. this past season is superb. So like in the past three games. Uh, one of those games being against literal Clemson, Dennis Grossell has been sacked twice. That is less than one sack per game. Um, so, you know, the pass protection has been really solid. The offensive line has really blocked well for the run. Um, by the way, going back another, um, Louisville, no sacks. So we'll, we'll, we'll add a fourth game to that. So in four games, two sacks. I can keep going, um, but you 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 get the picture. Wait, farce, no sex. Um, so you get the picture. The, the pass protection has been unbelievable, um, and the, the run protection has been very good as well. So you know, think th- an offensive line in uh, in your life uh, because they have been very good. Rutgers, no sex. Uh, Patrick, you jump in, otherwise I'm like keep going on down this point. Keep going on, I was like, no, I mean it's really good. I think the uh, plugging in of Elijah Johnson had a lot to do with that, especially on the ground. They've been pretty good the past game all year, but I think his athleticism has lent itself really well. Um, so this is going to sound wild, and I don't mean this in a truly, truly honest one-to-one comparison way. Because obviously that would be absurd. But uh, the can you guess the player who this goes sort of goes back to earlier with our past game who Dennis Grissel reminds me the most of this sort of as I see him play his sort of like this sort of gunslinging strong armed he's a big guy right he steps into contact willingly who does he remind me of? No, Arthur, you have to guess because you're not going to be able to guess. So I, I need to tell. I need uh, to have the jewel. You said gunslinging, like steps in, in, into pressure. Um, I don't know. By the way, five sacks allowed all year uh, for for BC, and they went um, basically between Kansas and Clemson without letting it an entire sack. So, um, like I said, offensive line. Great job. Um, gun slinging um, it instantly makes me think of Brett Favre. That's close. I was actually going to compare him to Andrew Luck. Okay. Because he does remind me, I, the, some of the passes I've seen him, I was always watching Luck in college. It was because I was always kind of like lukewarm on him. And it was the fact that he did so many things so well, but nothing at like a super, super elite level. Um, but the way that Roselle throws on the run um, and has stepped up into pressure and taken hits 
and run all season. He's not as good as Andrew Luck. Don't don't confuse that. But it reminds me of the way that Andrew Luck played in college. And yeah, so you know, we can we can title this episode the one in which Patrick compares Dennis Grossell to Andrew Luck and not in a mocking way. Uh, I'm already I'm already satisfied with orange squished, but uh, I'll I'll take your under advisement for the deck. Please do. Um, I was also, I'll be honest, pretty impressed with the defense. Um, we can move on to the se- we can move on to the second half of the game. Um, because basically after the offense, you know, turned the ball over twice in its own half and spotted Syracuse basically ten points, which I think is about fair for what I'd expect. Um, when you give them the ball at the 30. The defense played really well. Um, Brandon Barlow sort of showed through finally. He's kind of shown flashes at points, but hasn't really put, able to put it all in a game. He had two sacks. It was his first big game of the year. Um, it was the first game I thought that the linebackers really lived up to the hype I had given them all offseason. Uh, John Lamont and Matt Richardson have been good, but they've never really – I never thought they've been spectacular at, simultaneously all game um, and as well as the rest of their supporting cast. So I was really, really impressed. Um, I thought that they've shown a lot of strides over the course of the year. And so I'm actually pretty confident about the defense going forward in all the games, except maybe Notre Dame. Um, And yeah. And any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'll, I'll preface this by saying, you know, I, I, I don't let, – let's not give Syracuse all the credit in the world. Um, I mean, certainly um, they, they're not the Syracuse of last year. Um, but let's, let's – let, let, me, let me tell you something. Tommy DeVito was a four-star recruit coming into Syracuse, um, according to 24-7 Sports. Um, so, like, he's certainly not going to be at the level of, of a quarterback – who really should have been in, in the high seat conversation more than he was. Um, but he's a four-star re- recruit, um, and, you know, he, he certainly had a pretty good game, um, but he was really the only one out of the entire team who had a good game. Um, you know, the, the, the rushing attack was not great. I, I mean, DeVito was really the one who spearheaded all of it. Um, and, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you know, um, like one, one can make the argument, like, just to argue against you for, for the sake of it, um, that the fact that BC was able to hold Syracuse could, could also be, like, a byproduct of Syracuse not being at the level that they've, they've been over the past few years. But at the same time, you know, like, credit for what credit's due, you know. Um, the offense did struggle at the beginning of the game and the defense really kind of triaged and made it, made it less, they made it not as bad as it could have been. I'll actually, I mean, I guess to me is like, listen, I think Tommy DeVito is a good quarterback. I think it was the fact that as a whole, um, the Boston college defense did not really allow them to get a whole lot of momentum. They were coming up big on tackles all day. Um, Nolan Morrison, uh, was elite. He was all over the field. He had two tackles for loss in the safety. I thought they did a really good job of preventing yards after the catch, uh, which has been a problem in their losses this year. And yeah, um, also 
hopefully Mehdi Alatrox is healthy and not too hurt because losing him right now would be a big loss. He's really good in their nickel packages. Um, so, yeah. Uh, we will find out more. I guess the issue, to me, the biggest one is that uh, the biggest thing is that This is kind of a Jekyll and Hyde defense where they go from pretty respectable to atrocious on a week's notice. Yeah. And so I guess you really just have to hope that the right defense shows up week to week. And they've made improvements, but there's just the consistency is not there. And part of that's obviously just the youth and inexperience in the back end. But also just like there's not as much talent. And, yeah, I mean, it's all over the place. So. Yeah, and, and not for nothing, too. Like, you look at the second quarter, um, and a score differential, and it's 34 to 3. And, and I think people will look at that and, like, and certainly credit the offense, just certainly because of the game they had. Um, but if you don't, if you look at 34 to 3 and you don't credit the defense at least somewhat, you're doing the defense a disservice. Um, so, um, you know, like, the fact that BC was able to sort of um, stamp on the throat. Uh, in the second half was certainly, um, you know, credit to the offense for taking care of it, um, but um, that wouldn't have happened if it's without a, a strong defensive effort on the other side of the football. No doubt. Um, looking ahead, uh, BC obviously has a lot of momentum coming in this week, going up against a Florida State team who just fired head coach Willie Taggart. Arthur, you have a lot of opinions on firing coaches quickly. You often compare them to another program in the SEC, of formerly Great Heights, now in the dumpster. Was it too early to fire Willie Taggart? Um, so I, I, here's the issue. Um, like, I, I think there, there's a fine line you have to sort of hope. And, you know, to be fair, like, I, I think, you know, to, to get a coach like Jimbo Fisher, um, you know, like, or at least that's somebody of that caliber um, at Florida State, uh, and, and certainly as, as long as he was there, um, you know, that's kind of like striking goals. Um, you know, like he was, he was, he was like the heck, Jimbo Fisher was the coach there for, head coach there for seven years. Um, he was the OC for two years. Um, you know, he, he was, um, this isn't going to add up, but like he was, he was there from 2007 to 2017. So he was there for 10 years. Um, you know, that's, that's a coach with a significant amount of longevity. Um, you know, and like to be fair, like you 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 typically get the kind of longevity when you're a coach like Jimbo Fisher, and you you, you kind of get that benefit of the doubt no matter what. Um, the thing about I think with success is I think it kind of clouds your judgment as somebody who's making evaluations. Um, and you know, to be fair, like I I think Florida State really has kind of. I mean, I, I, it's, it's unquestionable that, that Florida State has not 
returned to the days um, of when of, of Jimbo Fisher when they when they were not only contending for um, national championships, like it was an expectation on campus that they were they would um, be winning um, national championships, and you know, like that's that's there. Um, but at some point, you become sort of the the eventually kind of success becomes your your best friend, but also your worst enemy. Um, and you know, to, to be clear, like I don't think it'd be really hard to say that his, his that Willie Taggart's um, his tenure at Florida State was a success. Um, he had a losing record, uh, and he certainly was not anywhere near the, the, even the maybe the upper echelon. Like I won't even talk to the top echelon. I think they're like a middle of the tier team at this point. Um, but you know, he really hasn't had a whole lot of time to sort of bring his recruits in. He hasn't had a whole lot of time uh, to sort of remake the, the program in his own name. Um, so. You know, like, well, one one can make the argument that he was not given enough time, and one and a half years is is a little bit quick on the draw. On the other hand, is there anybody in the world who knows the damage of a, an incompetent coach for four years than Boston College football fans? Um, I can't say if Willie Taggart was going to be at the level of a Frank Spaziani, um, but if he was, it's probably good they got rid of him. Um, I'll I, I think that your Florida uh, State issue is, is I, I think part that they were last year, right? Yeah, Florida State is better in every single way possible, and I I personally have the belief that Willie Taggart inherited a host of problems from pretty much a lame duck Jimbo Fisher staff. That oh, included. without a question. Without a question. And I think that he, if he'd been given enough time or whatever, and maybe a little bit better PR guidance, and so, you know, so if he, what he should have done and what he made the mistake of doing, in my opinion, was that he walked out there and was like, we can compete now. What he should have done is a Scott Frost thing when he walks out and says, I believe in these kids, but they're not good enough to win a national championship right now. And they're not good enough to win an ACC championship or even compete for an ACC championship. We are not Clemson right now. And I think that by basically setting the expectations, he sort of came out and was like, yeah, everything's going to be fine. And then they weren't. And all of a sudden, it's like, well, this has to be on the coach. If he said they're going to be fine and then they're not, it can't be on underperforming players who weren't living up to their recruiting billing. So I don't think firing him right now is the right move. I would have given him one more year. I don't think he's the incompetent level of Spaziani because he clearly has seen success in the past. He did well in his one-year tenure at Oregon. Um, Yeah, I am. I think it's the wrong move right now. I understand why they make it. I cannot believe they gave him a $17 million buyout. Yeah, that's what happens when your program's rolling in money. And, and like, the long and short of it is I agree with you. I think I that... Mean, what you know, 
I don't think you understand. Florida, all right, we all have this belief that Florida State is rolling in money. Florida State is not rolling in the level of money that some of these other programs like Alabama or Clemson are. Florida State University was made a co-ed university in like, I want to say pretty recently. Um, I mean, I know UF was, was founded in the 19, like early 1900s, so – I don't well, think the state system is all that old. 1851. Um, what is it? They don't. They have not had the money historically. Um, they've only been a co-ed school since 1947, which is a while. But they don't have the like deep, deep, deep-seated pockets and like historical donors that some of these other schools have and have had since the 1920s. And so, I it is it is a big statement that they managed to get together seventeen million to do this because you can't do that overnight. So yeah, yeah, maybe maybe that kid the lemonade stand uh, did better than um, we were giving him credit for. So yeah, um, let's look ahead to the game instead of the off the field stuff. First thought, Cam Akers is really good. Cam Akers isn't just really good. Cam Akers is probably the only back in the ACC who I would you can compare talent wise with AJ Dillon. He's got 12 touchdowns on the year, just under 1,000 yards, about five yards to carry. He is the only real offense on that team because they have not been able to find a quarterback or an offensive line worthy of his greatness, for lack of a better word. Um, yeah, Cam Akers, absolutely the threat that this BC team is going to have to watch out for. Um yeah, I mean, like it's 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 kind of the old BC equation, right? Like it's 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 the really strong back without with a really poor passing attack. Um, so like, how how do you game plan for that? Um, you know, do you, do you stack the box? Like, it's, I mean, obviously you can have like different like running schemes, but um, you know, at at some point, you know, um, if if all you got is like that one back, it, it, your offense becomes predictable. I mean, as we as we obviously know, um, so. You know, obviously Cam Akers is a solid back, but um, like the the fact that he doesn't have that passing attack to complement his running abilities is um, certainly like that. That's that's a red flag for me moving like moving to this game. Yeah, I was the other guy you got to watch out for. Um, Alex Hornerbrook is a transfer from Wisconsin. He's their quarterback now. We unseated James Blackman. Um, he is a simultaneously impressive and underwhelming, uh, which is pretty impressive to be such opposite things at once. Um, he's really efficient, right? He's like a 70% completion guy. He throws for 8.1 yards per attempt. Um, he also takes a lot of sacks. He has 20 in the last four games. He's only thrown seven touchdowns on the year. Uh, 
And while there's not a really game he's played poorly in, he's not really set the world on fire. And part of that probably has to do with the fact that it's a Cam Akers centralized offense or it's built around the running game. Uh, but yeah, he's he's not the quarterback that I think I don't think he's a threat on this team. Yeah, I mean certainly not. And then the defense, from my vague overall look at it, it was is can basically be summed up as it's full of insane athletes, as are the wide receivers. It's it's full of a lot of guys who are, are really athletic and who can pose a problem for BC in that way. Um, but they're not exceptional by any stretch of the imagination. Nearly every stat uh, defensively. They rank mediocre or near the bottom. Um, they don't get a ton of sacks. There's a little, there's been a lot of talk on like ESPN about how exciting it is to see like the Florida State defensive line sort of match up against this really higher performing Boston College offensive line. Florida State's defensive line isn't good. There's no statistical implication or whatever that you could get that would say like, oh, they're really good. They don't get a lot of sacks. They don't, you know, clog up the holes and allow the linebackers to make play. They're just kind of there. They're not awful, right? I don't think they're going to run over them like they did Syracuse this week, but like, they're not good. No, I I, I don't think, I I think this is definitely a, a, a natural game. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I have pers- I have it as a toss up. I have it as a toss up. I'd make BC slightly favored. I am a little concerned about the fact that you have Leave It coming in as the interim head coach, and he's going to have this team fired up. Um, I hate playing teams after they fire their head coach because they just play like they have nothing to lose, and it doesn't matter what sport you're in, whether you're in. Uh, Premier League soccer, Division Two hockey. Um, like teams just play different in that like first couple of games after their head coach gets fired, and I hate that. I just I hate being on the receiving end of it. Um, we saw it with Clay Helton a few years ago when he took over and USC caught on fire. Uh, I feel like BC has been on the receiving end of the, this in the past, not the week before. Obviously, the last time that BC played a uh, interim head coach where that was named the week before. I believe it was Davos Swinney, uh, which is a shame. Um, I hope to God this is not a Davos Swinney situation. We don't need two behemoths in our comp- in our division. But I'm afraid about that. I'm afraid they're going to come fired up. I'm afraid they're just going to be calling blitzes all day and letting that athleticism take over. I still have BC as a three-point favorite. Yeah, the the issue, like as, as I think you talked about, is that you know you have like this this, this obviously this like, this big thing happening in the program, and I think it does one of two things, and like it's it's polar opposites. You know, you either have uh, a, a team that's demoralized, or you have a team that's reinvigorated uh, and realize around the interim coach. And it, it, I I might be wrong about this, but the interim coach is somebody who's been at Florida State for a long, long time. So it's certainly somebody. Um, Ooh, two who, yeah, two decades. That so, is Florida State's point. Yeah, so like he 
I think like there's a really good possibility that for somebody who's been there for as long as as this guy has been, like he's somebody that the players should certainly rally around. So it, I I I don't think I'm like we're going to see a great Florida State team, but I think we'll I think it'd be a mistake to think that we're not going to see a, a Florida State team um, that um, is certainly going to. They're, I think they're going to be reinvigorated rather than demoralized. I, I think that's the more likely thing. I'm inclined to agree. Um, do you have a score prediction for the game? I, I'm going to take Florida State um, just because um, just because I, I think um, again, I think that I think the team is going to rally around um, the um, the, the coach that got fired or the interim coach. Um, I think that, you know, like the Jekyll and Hyde DC defense is certainly concerning to me. Um, and, um, you know, I, I just need to see more consistency out of the DC defense in order for me to feel comfortable for a team that while certainly not as good um, as Florida State teams have been, is certainly not a slouch. To heck with that. 31-28 Boston College. Take it to the bank. Yep. Uh, by the way, it's, I don't it's, have any reason. Red- I don't really have any reason for it. I'll be honest. I'm just winging it. I mean, my only, I guess I anticipate the linebackers have finally found their stride. They're going to be able to get contain acres to just like three touchdowns. Um, and I don't think Hornibrook can make enough plays to uh, outplay the terribleness on his defense. I think Grossell wins that match. I think Grossell and AJ are on balance better in this situation than Akers and Hornibrook. So that's my thoughts. Um, so I'm going to say, like, I'll, I'll put a number to it. I think it's going to be a close game. Give me Florida State 24-21. I don't like pessimism. That's no fun. Live a little bit, Arthur. Live a little bit. Um, yeah. But, but listen, pessimism worked last week, so... Um, yeah, hopefully every time you pick against UBC, you will continue to be wrong. That's my that's my uh, <laughs> finger in the cross. So, uh, yeah, I guess... Material, let me tell you. Yes, I'm sure that Steve Adazio is listening to this right now. And saying, yeah, <laughs> this guy. What's um, with this kid? He has, he has called out BCI in the past in practice, which I think is hilarious. But let's move on a little bit and simply just say that Boston College did win a their first. I was say conference basketball game, but also basketball game of the year this year. Um, Obviously, the season tipped off tonight, and uh, Boston College was victorious against the visiting Wake Forest Demon Deacons, 77-70. to I'll be honest, I really didn't watch this game. Uh, I was at work because of the uh, time difference. All I know is that based on my brief reading of the scoreline, I can say that uh, Jay Heath 
Absolutely as good as advertised. Derek Thornton, much, much better than advertised. He had 18 points in his debut for Boston College as a freshman. Uh, Thornton had 23 points in his debut uh, as a senior graduate transfer. Um, no, turno- no turnovers by any of the guards, which is great. And, uh, yeah, I'll watch the film this weekend and get back to you guys a little bit more analysis. But uh, I would just say it's nice to win that first game. And it's nice to win that first game when it's a conference game because it really – I know. No matter how bad this season is, no matter what we think is going to happen, it cannot be worse than 2015-2016. Certainly. I mean, like, we, we already can't be because we, you know, we won a game. We have a conference team. win! We have a conference win! Let's go! Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I am... I am personally optimistic about this team. Uh, I think I think this team is going to do better than I think people certainly um, will give them credit for. Um, and yeah, man, I'm 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 hopeful. I'm I'm hopeful. They've already done better than I uh, anticipated, and I personally am just excited to see a lot of fresh blood. Um, I think that this. I don't know if I can't say for sure. I don't know if Jim Christian survives the year or after the end of the year. I don't. I can't guarantee anything, any direction. I can't feel anything. I mean, like he has to have a good year if to survive the year, certainly. Yeah, there has to be serious momentum. But I guess sort of my at the end of the day, I'm just like, listen, we're playing with house money right now. No one expects us to be good. Let's go have a uh, good time and appreciate the fact that uh, there's some young men who want to play for Boston College. So. All in. Go Eagles. Go Eagles. And with that, that's all I have for the show tonight. Arthur, you have anything you want to add? No, I think that will do it. So, um, as always, enjoy the games this weekend. Um, hopefully, we'll have as fun a show uh, next week as we had this week. Uh, so, on behalf of our, our Patrick Top, and this is Arthur Ballin, and enjoy the games this weekend. Be responsible for the tailgates, and uh, as always, go Eagles. Game of the Century, part two, part three. Yes, that made sense to me. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.